Welcome to the Dead Harvey Podcast. This is Brad Paulson. I am very excited to have with me today character actor John Karras. He is one of my favorite actors as well as character actors. Fantastic to have you with us here today, John. How are you? Oh, thanks a lot. Uh, great seeing you again. It's been a while and always, always glad to be on this. Yeah, awesome. So you've done, so this is, I thought it would be really cool to have you on because I've always been a fan of yours. I've always thought you were an awesome character actor and like very distinguished especially in like indie horror. And I love every time like you show up on something, I'll tune in for it. So I kind of go out of my way to like catch your performances. But if anyone has seen uh, Poltergeist, I would say that's perhaps like one of the most shocking of your poultry, appearances at the graveyard sure towards the beginning. Poultry. People rent, uh, I, I was like five when Poltergeist came out. <laughs> yeah. uh, not in that, I wish. But Poultry, the trauma movie about yeah. uh, zombie chickens. Yeah. I actually love Poltergeist. I think it's fantastic. It's I saw it at the premiere. I think it was in um, Sunset Five. I want to say the the LA premiere. Yes, for the it. one that's upstairs. Yeah, yeah. and I yeah. remember. I think that's where I met you. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, or maybe I met you uh, at Spudix. Um, that that was pretty close to when I moved out here. So I yeah. met you. Like I had to have met you around that time. Yeah, so, so it, it, any movie can can start that will like you know people say oh these are this is like an opening uh, tension grabber. Uh, Poltergeist sort of tops all, <laughs> any other movie that came out for it for for an opening uh, attention grabber. You know, like Netflix tries to do that stuff. We'll do something crazy in the first ten minutes. Well, this is crazier than anything you've ever seen, even like on par with with indie horror. But Lloyd really goes for it, and and his stuff is always hilarious because it always has a kind of it seems like it's kind of cheap and sleazy, but then it also has this social commentary to it. And it's it's hilarious and it works like satire on a number of levels, like most of his movies. But you get more out of him every time you watch him. But it, it's it's apparent that like Trey and Matt uh, came from Troma because there are certain of those elements that play like that, that Lloyd has that, that Trey and Matt have where they make fun of so many things. But But no, that's a great. So how did you like, so what drew you to um LA and like acting in general uh I was always a movie guy um oh I was like three or four I wasn't even in kindergarten yet I was like obsessed with movies and uh, the first movie I remember seeing in the th- actually I, my mother can confirm this the first movie mm-hmm. I saw in the theater was the Muppet movie oh nice I think that I was four maybe three mm-hmm. um and I was immediately fascinated. Yeah. And I don't remember the second movie I saw in the theater, uh, but the first really made an impression. And that whole wave of, you know, Star Wars and Tron and all that, all those movies, definitely. But uh, I was also watching, uh, like, universal horror movies at home. My dad was into those. And I think seeing that stuff at such a young age... um it's it's like you watch it now it's it's kind of hokey they're classics but they're kind of hokey you know the the you can tell especially if you watch it on hd you can tell the the backgrounds are fake and the trees are fake and everything but i was like that little and there were coyotes in my area i was thinking it was like wolfmen out there you know stuff like that and it's like i I've noticed all the horror kids have 
sort of a similar thing of like they were that little they kind of thought this stuff was like i don't know if i ever really thought it was real but like little kid real and somewhere along the line you you beat it and you become it right, like yeah. you, you jump over this fence and then you are it you know but as as far as just i always wanted to make movies and i was watching sort of documentaries on how they made um Indiana Jones and and this yeah. sort of stuff and and then you know I was getting more and more into horror and the weirder side of horror as the video boom kind of happened yeah, yeah. our whole generation kind of lived in the video store at least guys like us and just yeah Hollywood stop. video got all the indie stuff all that indie like borderline micro stuff was was Hollywood video and the blockbuster partially partially too but some of that stuff creeped in the uh, blockbuster yeah, like did. Some brothers, but, and I was getting these sort of magazines like um, film threat, particularly film threat video guide, the black and white one. Yeah. Had stuff. Oh, yeah. It was like, this is so obscure. Um, I think three people saw this and they, they're the one who wrote the article and the one who made it. And like their main yeah. actor. Film Threat's great. Yeah, they. I'm still following them today. They have. Uh, they're kind of active on YouTube and stuff now. But they're they're awesome. They uh, they've always been really cool. I oh, I, I, I love that. And then um, uh, I think that just sort of a light bulb went on that you could just kind of just do it. Like you might not be huge. You might you might not even reach a an audience in your local area or whatever. But like you can creep your stuff out in these weird back of the magazine ads mm-hmm. this is sort of before the internet yeah. back of the magazine and there will be an odd crowd that'll find you yeah <laughs> and then i went to film school um i graduated high school in uh, 94 so 94 i went to film school and at film school i kept getting cast in everybody's like shorts uh to the point that i just sort of segued into acting more um and i think it was i I had a good look Uh, i looked older i kind of went gray and bald a little early uh and i had a good look and then i played like creepy and funny really well. yeah (laughs) so everyone was putting this into their shorts and i kind of took over that scene <laughs> like, yeah. like every movie i was in i remember a screening we had these screenings uh everyone yeah. showed their uh movies and i remember i'd be in like four or five in a row yeah and uh like any school some of the teachers were like cheering this on and then some of the teachers were like oh my god like ev- <laughs> everyone's movies has like these this raunch comedy and like <laughs> like bullshit because i like improv things so then after uh, film school, <laughs> I graduated and, you know, working grip here and there. I hadn't moved to L.A. yet. I had a day job. I was shooting uh, wedding videos and sort of sporting events, which is, you know, it, it paid the bills, but that's kind of not filmmaking, I guess. But um, I was acting here and there, but it was more of a hobby. Um, and getting cameos sometimes and things I gripped in, but I went to New York, uh, for about a week, New York city. I I was in upstate New York near Buffalo, but, um, I, I went to New York city for about a week and I 
checked out my friend's play, which was great. And it was a black box theater play. And uh, it was a very good play. And then after the play, there was a uh, after party. And it wasn't just the actors in the play. It was sort of that whole theater scene. Mm-hmm. Like people that were in all the plays for the last couple of years or something. Um, and there were guys there bragging like uh, I'd, I'd uh, last year I did two student films. It's like, wait, <laughs> I did like, I did like 40, you know, <laughs> in like, in like a month, like, yeah. like, okay, I think I might have a knack for this. Mm-hmm. You know, so I just put together a resume and, um, you know, got some pictures together. They weren't quite official headshots. There is a, you know, a format for headshots. I didn't really know that at the time and started looking into indie, 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 uh, like the micro budget, I guess is mm-hmm. the word, uh, filmmakers in my area, which was upstate New York, Buffalo. And I'd started going to like Pittsburgh and, uh, I get I get a little further. There's Ohio too, this sort of circle. And the first one I did, I believe, was yeah, I know, I know it was the the first one was uh Chris Seaver's Filthy McNasty. <laughs> that's the one that uh <laughs> that's the one that kicked off this uh illustrious career. <laughs> Those are on Tubi now. I was watching the filthiest uh filthy McNastiest yesterday. Um the third one yeah i don't know if those are uncut on tubi a friend of mine saw filthy i made him watch it like watch that movie on on tubi filthy Mm -hmm. nasty you gotta watch it you gotta watch it and um he watched it and after after it's done he's like oh that was real fun it was great you guys did that for like 12 bucks and it's still live uh that was 20 years ago that's still live yeah oh yeah and I asked him, what did you think of the fecal masturbation scene? Mm-hmm. He's like, what? Uh, I might have uh, I might have missed that, grabbed a drink or something. It's like, I think you'd remember that. <laughs> like, I think Tubi <laughs> yeah. cut it out. So it's like, don't watch Filthy Nasty 1, at least on Tubi. The best, the best part is cut out. <laughs> I remember that because years ago I saw that one and this, but uh, I didn't go back and revisit that one. I saw the McNastiest, was, which was what I revisited yesterday. But, but yeah, that makes sense that Tubi would cut some of that stuff out. That's interesting, though. I didn't know that. I didn't know that Tubi kind of edited stuff like that. I think like boobs are okay. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, they show a lot of that. Yeah, violence. I think it's weird it, when it goes weird. <laughs> Um, like if you haven't seen the movie out there, there's a scene. I don't know why he didn't have me do it. I don't think he mm-hmm. uh, knew me that well yet. Um, Casey, uh, Chris's cousin. Mm-hmm. There's like a scene where he goes in the bathroom and uh <laughs> starts masturbating with his own shit mm-hmm. for no reason. Of course, no. What is the reason for that? I some people like it, I guess, but. Um, the, you'll never know who they're out there though, but, um, <laughs> he starts, he's like taking a shit and it's in the middle of like a dialogue scene. Mm-hmm. Like they're talking about like, yeah. Oh, this house is haunted, whatever it is. And he's like, Oh, I got to take a shit. <laughs> and like goes in the bathroom and takes a shit and then wakes up and it's like, he's got this dildo. It's like so fake. And he's like, 
smearing pudding all over it. <laughs> and then I walk in and I'm like, oh, oh, something's going on in here. And uh, and he's like, it's not what it looks like. And I'm like, so you're not masturbating with your own shit? <laughs> and, he, and he said, no, I'm looking for my mask. And he pulls up a Jason, <laughs> a Jason <laughs> mask. And that's also sort of covered with putting shit. And it's like, this is super absurd. Yeah. <laughs> that Kristen. came out to like Best Buy and all that. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's hilarious. I remember like, I used to go to Odyssey uh, 2020, although I think a lot of the 2020s aren't around anymore. And I think, well, I don't know if Odyssey is still around, but yeah, the 2020 was that big, like chain that carried a lot of indie stuff too, that I liked that was in, that was in California. You know, the, I think there was one on, um, is it Lancashire? Kind of near uh, sort of that theater district in Burbank. Yeah. That's near where, um, where I used to live in North Hollywood. We had uh, an Odyssey video and then they ended up like splitting like half of it. Like once the video store started kind of going out of business um, they split half of it and they shared it with a weed shop. Uh, so, but, it was, but I think, I don't know if it's still around or not, but yeah, yeah. But they have weed or a match made in heaven. <laughs> yeah. This is where like, this was the store that like we would use to um, make, make fun of. We, well, cause it was a great store to go into, but every time they were in there, like families would be in there and things like that. But it had like that porn aisle in the back with the curtain and you would see guys coming out. A lot of porn. There, oh yeah. Actually. You'd see guys coming out yeah. all the time like with a stack because they had like a special deal it was like three for one day or something like that and they there was those guys they were struggling to carry the stack of this porn and then they, they, <laughs> and then you would see like with the free hand they would pick up some gatorade and put that on the counter with it but i was i was always very amused by that. <laughs> the, where, uh, where i went to college in uh, rochester new york there was a store that um there were these like shelves uh-huh. Uh, it was like shelves you would see like at a shoe store where like, uh-huh. like the, the, maybe that, maybe they were made for that. You yeah. put uh, the videos from the porn section on the shelf and they were open on the other side. So the clerk and you go around and you're like shelf four and the clerk would uh, pull, but it was funny. The, the female clerk always groaned. <laughs> yeah. Like you come up and it's got shelf 13 and she just roll her eyes and then go over there and then she'd say, <laughs> and then i think maybe there was a game maker like grown the most like right crazy stuff just for her benefit yeah you would think i guess well i don't know maybe you wouldn't get used to it after a while like but uh yeah would, I, into it. I don't i don't know why she worked there you know everyone needs a job but that job didn't pay that well uh, and she could have got a job at the grocery store, any of this. And she she was not the, the owner's wife. Mm-hmm. The owner's wife also worked there. So it's like, I don't I don't know. But and she didn't seem pleased about any of the stuff there. They had that was a store. <laughs> it specialized in what Blockbuster didn't carry. Yeah. Yeah. So it had a huge porn section. It had a huge uh, indie horror section. So all those weird movies that the back of um, Fangoria, back of Film Threat, they were in there. The store is called Video Barn. If anyone from that area was the video <laughs> Video Barn was is listening, um, and the uh, they had a huge anime section, mm-hmm. oh, like yeah. every episode or whatever, um, Gasaraki Nine or whatever. They'd have the whole twenty volume thing. 
and then all this foreign stuff. And then they'd have like this, uh, these stickers on some of them banned by Blockbuster. Uh, um, I've never seen this movie, but it was like uh, um, they'd have Passion of the Christ, or not Passion of the Christ, the Scorsese one, um, Last Temptation. Oh, Last Temptation, yeah, yeah. And I think there was a Woody Allen one, and then there was um, a Godard one, Hell Mary, that had a pregnant, uh, like be- like a real pregnant belly woman mm-hmm. in there, like hand. I've never seen the movie, but a hand coming up to greet it, and then like big sticker banned by Blockbuster. <laughs> and it's like I think I think there was some anti-religious themes in that, maybe some nudity. I've never actually seen it. Uh, I always wanted to. Maybe I'll watch it uh, tonight since he just uh, died a few weeks ago. Um, oh, that's right. I might be the one I watch, and hit, I forgot to watch one uh, in his honor a couple weeks ago. But um, that one, yeah, I remember that band by Blockbuster. It is like this isn't. This isn't though. This isn't the raunchy stuff. This is more the hmm, stuff that's also yeah. banned. Also banned by Blockbuster. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Those video stars were a total like. They were awesome because it felt like a treasure hunt every time you went in there, trying to find like the weirdest, most obscurest. I have so many cool memories that I think I remember. And then there was a video store that I really liked. It was called Jerry's Video. One of my favorite memories of it, and uh, it was on Los Feliz. I think like Vermont, Los Feliz, like right around that area. But the the guy, there was like, a, I think a husband and wife that owned the shop. I don't know if it's still around anymore, but the guy, husband used to smoke cigars all the time and wear like these camo jackets. And they had a daughter that would make membership cards for people and they let you choose your membership card. And she did like these hand-drawn membership cards of monsters and things like that, or like theme-based for movies. And I got one of like a snake eating someone in half. I'm like, huh, oh, this is, this is awesome. It was uh, the most, like one of the most distinct video stars I've been to, but there was so many like good memories I have of of places like that just treasure hunting for like the most obscure videos ever yeah same here that's like my especially after you beat the first wave of like movies yeah whatever your type of movies we were horror guys so it's like once you get past the jasons the freddies the all the franchises and stuff you read out about fangoria there's like that's like only half of like one shelf yeah (laughs) others that and they just keep going like i still haven't caught up no one has. No one's seen them all. Yeah. I, don't, I, I don't know what they're telling you, but they, there's no way. Um, there's people who've seen more, but no one has seen them. You just keep uh, going and you keep on finding, undigging rabbit holes of like, yeah. you find one weird movie and it leaves you down a whole rabbit hole of like, there's people into these and it just keeps going, especially with like a Facebook group or something. It just keeps going until oh, like... Yeah. Yeah, looking more and more and more. You know, there's still some movies that I haven't find and I haven't found that I remember as a kid, and I'll probably look for for the rest of my life and not be able to find. Um, So especially like there was like some horror movie that I saw when I was a little kid, and it had like dolls stabbing someone. It had like somebody being thrown into a freezer, and it was as part of like there was a documentary called The Shot of Turn, which was about like the turn the turn of Christ. But they used to have. It was like in the 80s, but they were late 70s, or early 80s, but they used to have like trailers before and they would just not show like, so they used to not show just PG movies for a, or PG trailers for a PG movie. They would just show an R-rated trailer for a G movie or a PG movie. I remember that, yeah. <laughs> it freaked me out so much and I still can't find that movie. People were like, it might be like, um, don't be afraid of the dark or any of these kind of thing. And I can't find, I think it was some or like random weird Italian movie, but I'll search for it for the rest of my life. And it's <laughs> finding those that you don't know what they're called. Cause you have to Google search like yeah. very specific terms. 
Yeah. Like dolls stabbing guy. You'll get dolls. You'll get Chucky. You'll get. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You won't get the one you're like looking for. But then you remember something like it's raining or you remember, you know, yeah. something you just kind of like narrow it down and eventually it hits it. Yeah. Or you'll be on Facebook and someone will put up like a GIF. Yeah. Maybe, maybe <laughs> it's before... like, oh, that's that movie. Yeah, I hope so. Maybe before I maybe before I die, I'll find it. Uh, hopefully. Um, so, anyways, is there any? So, like, we're talking about treasure hunting for all these movies. Is there like one movie or a couple of movies that sort of got got you the bug uh, to be in these kind of movies to to like search out and act in these kind of obscure movies and bizarre movies? Um, a few, a few all at the same time. I think there was sort of a wave of these of of J.R. Bookwalter and Todd. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Guys. 93 somewhere in there mm-hmm. and uh i don't know if there was a specific one or if it was just the whole scene but i remember todd or not todd sheets um scooter mccray's shattered it mm-hmm. oh i remember seeing uh, that a while ago yeah yeah that was like one of the yeah, might have been yeah. one that's um you can do something kind of epic for like zero money mm-hmm. And of course, there, there's Evil Dead and all that, which is super low budget, but it's like still out of the range of like, you can just go do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where, where these guys were getting into like, they were just doing it on SVHS and uh, uh, these these consumer formats. Um, so I think that was the one in, in Ozone by Oh, Jared that's a great Walter. movie. I bought that recently. Yeah, it was another one. Um, that and I, and I remember the box made like it was like this film noir black and white shot, and the movie itself is like SVHS, like crappy, um, video noise, you know. Yeah, uh, but those two I think were like so ambitious and kind of coming from nowhere. Uh, um, I think Scooter McRae, he ended up in New York City, but I don't think he was in New York City yet. I think he was like more upstate. And uh, Jared Bookwalter was in Ohio. Yeah. So it was like they weren't pulling off the Hollywood system even a little bit. Like now maybe there's some people who've been in the, the, the film industry has kind of permeated the country a bit more. But in those days that um, you didn't have people that were like, had a two they didn't have a two-liner an er a lead in a b movie they were just in the B, yeah. movie, you know yeah. stuff and uh those really sort of captured my interest of like you can if you have the ambition and kind of can hustle your friends and i had the ambition but always couldn't hustle my friends they were all yeah. especially in high school they're all like i want to play video games this is too much work or whatever it's true yeah uh so when i went to college i was more into directing and and writing and um technical end of things cinematography or whatnot but somehow i segued into acting and i knew i don't know if this is the right path for someone wanting mm-hmm. to do, because I've read interviews with agents and things, this they do not say this is the path to do, but I did it. Of start writing these guys that like, if you've heard of their movie, they're thrilled. Mm-hmm. You know, like the Chris Seavers. The uh, I ended up, I did a, I got a Joe Castro movie like that. Ended up doing um, I think four Joe Castro movies. Uh, all of these guys like. I started writing them. And as you do one or two, then you kind of, you do can do three or four and those three or four lead to five or six. And 
uh, and then before you know it, they're calling you, you know, so yeah. it, um, I did it that way and it kind of spread um, virally in a way of like, like that tree branch family tree kind of style. You could kind of actually plot it, uh, how it went and it can cut together a reel. And now I'm at a point in my career where I'm looking for um, quote unquote real movies, you know, but still doing these. And I found um, my last batch, like my post pandemic batch, which aren't out yet. They're still in the cutting uh, stages. Uh, are at a level of like these these are really good these last few not not fake fun good i'm into so bad it's good these are more at least i think actually good <laughs> you know so so i kind of reached that level and not not quite by uh those all came to me is sort of what i'm trying to word here i didn't i didn't throw those out it was something like a whole lifetime of throwing stuff out yeah led yeah stuff back to me you know yeah and i think that's a great strategy too for anybody trying to break in and get stuff is that yeah pay an indie filmmaker a compliment because they rarely get them (laughs) and that is that that word there actually watch their movies watch a couple of yeah um, maybe more i started doing it at hollywood video renting uh tons of netflix uh dvd in the mail uh version of netflix i was renting tons of them I think I spent a summer before I moved to LA. Yeah. Every low budget uh, micro cinema movie I could find writing down the director, writing down the producer, Googling them, IMDBing them kind of really learning a lot about them. Then when I got to LA, like picking one a day and writing uh, almost all of them, they didn't use me right away, but almost all of them have used me by like, this point so that is a good strategy like i said i'm not sure if it's the uh the hollywood how to get an agent how to get a manager how to get on the latest uh the latest disney show strategy but it is a way to build an interesting career that um you still need a day job but an interesting interesting career Oh yeah, you've probably had uh, experiences and memories no one else. No one else <laughs> oh, yeah, to, yeah, of course. Yeah. By, especially <laughs> by being in like any like the, you know, the regular mainstream stuff. Like they'll never touch any of those like bizarre experiences. But I think it, it works because it's it's sincere from you because you're also like a big like we're talking about the video store hunting and all that and being like you're also like really into these movies and like and loved them. So that's that's the big difference right there is is to actually. Um, pay a compliment to somebody's movie, but also like really be into the movies and fan of their work and stuff like that. I think people can tell you when you're sincere like that. If you're cool, if you're cool to work with on top of that, that's a whole other bonus. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, thank you. That, that sincerity is pretty real. Like I am into this stuff. Like, uh, and I think it shows through, I know there was a debate on Facebook, a mutual friend uh, or a friend. There are a couple mutual friends on this guy's thread got into this debate he was a director and he was kind of um, saying he got sick of Facebook messages from actors. Mm -hmm. Uh, Hey, here's my real blah, blah, blah. And he put this kind of thing up uh, three or four times. Um, It seemed to be something on his mind. I ignored it. I'm like, whatever he can think what he wants, but eventually it gets like, I have to, I wrote like half my resume or more is because I did exactly this. Yeah. You know, and it works. Uh, 
And he was like, oh, I guess it works for somebody. But another mutual friend kind of came on that thread who saw this and said, you're different. You really, and he's a guy that used me, mm-hmm. uh, this particular guy in a movie. He's like, you're different. Your stuff is very sincere. And it, mm-hmm. what this friend was complaining about, there was sort of this cut and paste, like, hey, I'm an actor. I see your director. Here's my reel. Consider me for your next project. Right, yeah. Like, I love that scene in Robot Massacre where the robot rips that guy's head off. And I noticed, you, you know, this, this and this. And, and like, so they know that it's, you know, uh, a little more real. And I think just even just watching them. Um, and you watch enough of them, you acquire a taste for them. I don't know yeah. if anyone... Their first micro cinema movie, especially their first '90s, eight late late '80s, early '90s micro cinema movie. Uh, I don't know if anyone likes that first one they see. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. it's yeah. like it's a little jarring. It's like mm-hmm. this is this is a piece of shit. But you you kind of it, it starts these gears turning of like mm-hmm. you acquire this taste of like. Oh, there's there's a there's a madness to this. Uh, this yeah, yeah. Of, uh, <laughs> yeah. This kind of like subterranean underbelly of movies. You know? Yeah, and there's a certain kind of like love for it because it's underappreciated and and you know which will eventually be destroyed once Hollywood steals from it and takes it over. But uh, but as a, but as they a have now, they have yeah. stolen from it and took it over, but it still lives. Like, yeah, yeah. A new, a new ver- like I'd say Blair Witch uh, mm-hmm. is one. That oh yeah put out um some of the a24 kind of stuff has a, a uh, there's another company al alapurna something like that they put out um I, I know they put out a few pt anderson movies so they're kind of uh mm-hmm. in that but their logo uh front of the movie looks like generation lost vhs yeah and that's at the front of like an arty, uh, like a PT. It was in front of the master, I think. Uh, one of the more recent PT Anderson movies anyway. Uh, and it's like, okay, this has sort of, uh, Adult Swim is a big, like Tim and Eric are totally children oh, yeah. of mm-hmm. what we're talking about. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's permeated the main, mainstream, but there's still always an underground. Yeah, and it's the biggest time right now for indie movies because the more... Well, basically, Hollywood has to make movies that have more money now, and they constantly have to make movies. Well, they constantly are in pressure to make uh, their return backs. They take fewer and fewer chances. So what I'm seeing happening now is like streaming wise with the indie stuff, it's really booming. And that's where I'm seeing a lot of like the creativity and the madness and the the cool stuff come from, like the different ideas are coming from that because – Hollywood sort of has its hands tied right now because if they lose money, they're really screwed. So they can't, they can rarely take any chances far less than they used to be able to. It's not the seventies anymore. Those days are gone. Unfortunately for Hollywood. I've noticed for one, a lot of interest, very interesting, almost mainstream movies. Yeah. There's, there's a few, there's a few that come out every year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Like uh, just in the last few months, uh, barbarian. That was awesome. Barbarian uh, was great. Pearl, yeah. Pearl and Pearl was great. Yeah. Uh, Marcel the Shell. Uh, um, a bunch of these. There's one I'm I'm losing here that's even weirder than those. But um, those are like they're mainstream. I saw those. I think all of those at the regular Burbank Mall, mm-hmm. which is you know Los Angeles. You get a few more of these. 
Yeah. Um, but oh, um, the uh, the uh, Terrifier two. That's the one I was. That's uh, right. Yeah, that that one. Indie. Uh, so there is a real interest in these. I don't know quite why there's so much hubbub of like, oh, it's only superhero movies. It's only superhero movies. I think if you actually don't like superhero movies, it's maybe a, more of an insult. I noticed one thing is like, I, I like the superhero movies. I have no problem with them. I try to see all of them. But I think if you don't like them, I think part of the complaint is they invaded everything. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's that's the complaint that Scorsese had and a couple of other yeah. people had on Russell too. Yeah. I think if you go to see, say, uh Marcel the Shell or um Barbarian or or uh so like um I can't think the title of it, the the three thousand years of sadness or something, the the new Oh the um, movie, which is a real George weird, Miller, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. really weird movie. If you, even if you see those. Uh, the trailer for the Wakata Forever is in front of it, so I think yeah. it's like that feeling you can't escape is actually what they're. Right, right, yeah. I don't care. I I go to see um you know the latest A twenty four or something even or the late or the latest I saw the Crimes of the Future the new Cronenberg or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, you see you see one of those and then you um you get you get the latest Spider Man trailer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, that's cool. It lets you know when it's coming out. I'll see it that weekend. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. I love. Like, I, I actually, I love superhero movies too. I got like I because I've been a huge comic fan ever since I was a little kid, and so I've always like dreamed of seeing these movies you come. See, yeah, Venom. Right there. Visual yeah, Venom shirt. Right. Yeah. This is the off-brand uh, like other superhero movies. You know? <laughs> yeah, like when I was a little kid, I was like, I just want to see like a Wolverine movie. Or I want to see all this stuff, and all this stuff came to life. Um, which is great. Although Wolverine wasn't a dwarf like he's described in the comics, he's very tall, Hugh Jackman. But Hugh Jackman does a fantastic job of playing Wolverine. There's, and there's always <laughs> going to be an artist's interpretation, yeah. or just okay, this as it is won't make money, so just yeah. change this. But you still have the original comic. I don't quite get the complaint, but when I think that, like, it's not so much the A24s and things where I see people rolling their eyes and all that. Mm-hmm. It's more when I go to kind of an oscar type movie right and it's all older people in the audience yeah because my tastes are so diverse i'm always the youngest or oldest person (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah. you know so so because i'll see all this stuff and i notice when you see this stuff that seems to be mostly older people and it's a quieter movie it's a, a drama um sort of character based when that trailer for whatever it's going to be, the uh, Morpheus or whatever, Morbius, I mean, uh, that's where you get the... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> where if you're seeing a horror movie or if you're seeing something really wacko, mm-hmm. like um, a Cronenberg or a Lynch or something. Yeah. Uh, it's more, they might not, it might not be their cup of tea, but they're, I think I think that stuff is closer to superhero movies. For sure. Yeah. Um. A, a draw like what there's always two movies a year nominated for best picture that no one saw yeah when you go see the i tend to see those right kind of that week they bring them all back at the at least at this theater um and they tend to be like british usually yeah, um, yeah. those those tend to be like i'm i'm 47 right now mm-hmm. I'm the youngest one in the theater by like right. 30 years. Right. <laughs> yeah. Those tend to be like 
old and like they'll, they'll show like you know tribal dancing wakata blah, 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 starting they'll be more cgi rhinos <laughs> you know like okay i get it it's not everyone's not everyone's yeah. cup of tea you yeah know? <laughs> i don't have any problem with the superhero stuff i just want to see them playing more indie movies and stuff but i guess for a theater it's a big risk to do that because they know that they're well although you know you're starting in their Movies like Maverick bring in shitloads of people. It made like, I think it surpassed like what an Infinity Game. So there is proof that people will go to the theater, but just they just not. Can't. Yeah. I think no matter what, we spoke of this a little earlier, no matter what, like Martin Scorsese, it's all dead. It's all dead. No, it's not dead. I think there's a generational shift. Like yeah. I have absolutely no problem that most, if not all, of my movies are direct to video. Yeah. Like, it's just I, I grew up in the video store time. Yeah, yeah. And look how much bigger um, the market for it is now. Like we had yeah, no idea like, it was gonna it was gonna boom like this, like this I, was gonna happen like this. Obviously, I'd like to be in a huge movie in the theater. Um, but that is straight to Netflix, straight to even Tubi, whatever. Uh there's this sort of YouTube thing that some of my movies are on. They like mm-hmm. they make money on YouTube somehow. I don't know how much, but they they do. Um they uh it's like i think it's like when i read scorsese's thing it's all this like we're all together in this darkened theater having empathy for it's like i don't know if that's what i'm about i love those movies but it's i think it's more like i think i'm in the stuff a little more renegade than what he was describing you know like i'm in the stuff like you you can't get this movie except for you go to a convention and this guy's selling it at his table. I'm for that. You yeah. know, I'll buy that movie. Um, and uh, or it's on Tubi, and and it's not directly recommended to you on Tubi. You kind of go through several layers. If you like this, you also like this. You and then you just find it's like, what is this? Like a weird puppet thing or something. You kind of come across. So I think it's a different mindset. Totally. I don't know if it's a hundred percent generational, but there seems to be a generational thing where these guys that are 60s, 70s now yeah. kind of revolutionize stuff in the drive-in era. It's like it seems to be a communal all about the theater. We're and they always describe it dark. It's so important to be dark. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're in the dark together, empathizing with these people. I'm more like I'm in a dorm room watching uh, crazy shit on VHS. Right, yeah, yeah. And then the guys that are next in line mm-hmm. are more like I stumbled across this movie on Tubi at four right, yeah. Or uh, for some reason, there's a movie movie on Pornhub that everyone, you know, instead of porn, they found <laughs> a movie movie that's hiding there. You know, right, like, right. you know, there's weird, uh, always weird avenues. And I think one of the biggest things that biggest mistakes you could make is to ignore a youth thing yeah like to appeal to I, christopher walken did it when i think he was my age now be in a bunch of movies that are i don't know if it was his choice or just his agent did it but it seemed to work out for him yeah be in a bunch of movies that the youth are into now so yeah. you'll grow up being there. They'll grow up with you as one of their guys. 
So it was like Pulp Fiction and Batman Returns and like all this stuff around the same time. I was like, he's the cool, weird guy in those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you appeal to, and I've noticed my last batch of directors are guys that definitely grew up in the, um, all but one that was a good friend. They, they were guys that grew up in this, in the internet era. They're yeah, like yeah. 25, 22, you know, that kind of thing. So I'm appealing to them. And I know that's one thing that I want to discuss. And this is, I've been at this long enough to see some of my first movies that were ignored are now weirdly classic. Yeah. They're yeah. not classic the way One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest is classic or the first mm-hmm. Batman or whatever is classic, but they're classic to these oddball the equivalent of us but they're like 22 now right yeah like filthy mcnasty and Mm -hmm. uh this one mother that i'm in and um Mm -hmm. a bunch of the first say first three four years of me doing this those are now like oh oh you're a veteran you you were whoa you were in that i was in this movie low low Mm l-o for one shot (laughs) i was in this movie um and it's a great movie there was a girl on a set I was on that was um, a makeup girl. And she looked me up on IMDb. She was doing makeup. And makeup makeup people are always the ones into this. Mm-hmm. The horror gore kids, of course. They're always the ones. And she's like, you're in low. Holy cow, you're in low. I like to tell you the truth. I don't really tell people about that one because I'm literally one shot. I might as well yeah. do an extra. It's a creature role. So I'm in, I'm in it. But um no, no, no. So that's kind of like being like a bit part in Star Wars. Yeah. You can still do conventions to this day. You know, if you're, yeah. if you're snaggle to still do conventions to this day. So it's like, oh, Lowe has that type of appeal. So these movies, uh, like, like I, 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 it doesn't seem this long, but I've been at this um, more than 20 years. Uh, those early ones are now like hipster cool or something. Oh yeah, something, for sure. There's something. So it's like, wow, uh, I've made it full circle where it's like the weirdo kids are now finding me. <laughs> yeah. I'm all for it. Like yeah. that's the thing. Uh, the point I was leading to. It's like, okay, their stuff is more videoy, like yeah, digital. Uh, it's not on film. Some of them are way into film, but uh, mostly it's digitally. And they're sort of proudly digitally. They're not yeah. digital to look like film. They're right. sort of proudly, this is a digital movie. Yeah, jump on board. If you want um, to make interesting work, uh, I would say the youth. I don't care about generational differences. Oh, Gener X says this, millennials, blah, blah, blah. It's like, you know what? They have differences, but it's a collaboration that people bring their differences kind of to the table. Yeah, absolutely. That's almost it, part of the um, meeting of the minds interconnectivity that you find on set, you know. That's why people have historically all moved from different walks of life over to LA to have, because they have that common interest. Exactly. Exactly. And I remember I, uh, I, I spent a good year uh, in addition to renting all those uh, crazy movies I spent a good year researching, um, reading uh, sort of how to get into professional acting books and things. And also these websites that were like forums for actors, mm-hmm. which don't seem to be that good if you're already established. Like if you have two or three TV shows, you're on, you already get, have a, know everything that they're talking about. 
but they're talking, they were at least in these days talking about how to do your headshots, how to get an agent, how to um, get your first few movies and things. And um, I spent a good year reading those guys. Yeah. And uh, it seemed to have a real, they weren't against indie movies, but they were definitely against schlock. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I knew reading this, I'm like, there is no way they're going to tell me not to run straight to schlock. <laughs> right. <Yeah>. Like, <laughs> and I think you're right. That sincerity comes forth. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm waving that pride flag for schlock hard. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's yeah. like, oh, you're making a, a completely ridiculous, absurd movie, Attack of the Killer Toaster or whatever. <laughs> Why am I not in it? You know, like, I, and it's like, looks, you can't put it on a real reel, but you can put it on a reel just for this. Oh, yeah. And yeah, so it's like, I, I did not hide where I noticed, like, they were for Andy, but it was more, um, Sundance attempts, maybe, which I'm not against. I'll do them any any day of the week. It's just, um, I think I ran like full speed (laughs) towards towards Schlock. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Um, so so speaking about that, like you've worked with all kinds of interesting, fascinating uh, directors that have done all kinds of eccentric, bizarre movies. Uh, Just to name like a couple of them: Charles Band, Ramsey Abed, Lloyd Kaufman. Uh, the guys that made the VHS movies, Damon Packer, Chris Siever. Talk about like kind of some of your memorable experiences or what's different working with uh, these different directors. Well, all of those guys are sort of lightning in a bottle geniuses that you mentioned. They're all extremely different. Yeah. And they're different from each other. They're different from the mainstream. All of those guys, with the exception of the VHS guys who the VHS thing I did was directed by Adam Wingard. Mm-hmm. He just he's, directed. He's King doing the King Kong, Kong. movie. Yeah. Yeah. The King Kong. Kong. Yeah. 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 It's um, King Kong versus Godzilla mm-hmm. or is it Godzilla? I forget if it's Godzilla versus King Kong or King Kong versus Godzilla. Um, so he got to that high level of mainstream. He's an interesting story though. How he came about is Simon Barrett wrote and produced the VHS thing. Mm-hmm. One and two, not three, but he came back for four. I think he sold the rights for three and then uh, got him back somehow. I knew him. He was a mutual friend from a guy I went to film school with. And he went to about an hour away was another film school he uh, went to. And I knew him through this mutual friend. He'd come up for the parties and things. He was making a short and me and this other guy, uh, Josh Slates, is who it is, is also a filmmaker, went out and did his short, uh, gripping sound, basic um, basic uh, uh, crew. And that short sort of came out as, as much as a short can. It ended up on one of those trauma dance, trauma dance DVDs. And then Simon moved to L.A. before any of us. Um, and I kind of fell out of touch with them, but Facebook and MySpace, all these things, I had them there. But it's that kind of thing. Every once in a while, I get a like, or he likes one of my things, but it's not a very, it's not a big uh, communication. 
But I noticed him, you know, everyone did noticing him. He's getting bigger and bigger projects. He was writing sci-fi channel movies. He was writing, um, then he was writing the VHS movies and these kind of indies that were sort of coming out. And then I went to a movie at that, um, it's the, uh, I forget the name of that theater, but it's a theater in, in I think, Los Feliz. Not the not the one that's just called Los Feliz Theater. Was oh, it the like the Vista or the Arrow? Vista, or? yeah, it was okay. the Vista. Yeah, yeah. I went to um, the Avengers, actually, of all things. Uh, that we're just talking about superhero movies on the first day, mm-hmm. and it was sold out. And I was kind of walking through the line to see if I knew anybody, and he was in line and had an extra ticket. I was like, "Holy shit! Thanks, man." And so I saw it with him and then he goes, what are you doing in like June or whatever month it happened to be? And uh, I said, so hopefully something with you. I knew, I knew he was kind of on this track Mm -hmm. and he put me in VHS two in the Adam Wingard directed segment. And that to this day is my only uh, major commercial release. Like that got theaters and all across the country, not just Burbank and, uh, or whatever but it got the real wide distribution so those guys were what's funny adam wingard knew about all this stuff mm-hmm. he uh simon pitched me to him and his exact wording or what he told me anyway this guy's in damon packard movies and chris siever movies <laughs> yeah <laughs> when i looked at oh yeah he's mm-hmm. in and he, he was a huge fan of that stuff and his early movies are along those lines, uh, pre-VHS, uh, Pop Skull and all that. So, yeah, he went from those to uh, King Kong versus Godzilla, and they're involved. Every once in a while you hear they're involved in whatever, and then you don't see it. So these things, I kind of have that Hollywood way of, like, one article and then drifting away. So I don't know what's real and what's not with them, but I know I saw... Uh, face-off either sequel or reboot thing mm-hmm. like a few other weird things they're kind of involved with they did that anime live action i forget what it was called uh, it was like a remake of an anime oh show. i think it was death note right death note which yeah, i didn't yeah, yeah. see any version of death note um so i don't know how to comment on that but they did it and um so anyway that that's that's those guys probably the weirdest is Damon Packard. Yeah. <laughs> Damon, Damon is making truly um, independent cinema. Yeah. Like, uh, oh, yeah, Charles definitely. And Lloyd Kaufman, they they at least fit a mold. Mm-hmm. These are genre movies. Yeah. Damon's a, invented a genre. Damon's... He has, you know, yeah. I, I, they're like a cathode ray right from his brain. Like, <laughs> yeah. like they're, they're, they're weird, and I... I saw um, Reflections of Evil. Uh, actually, Michael Todd Schneider, uh, Michael Maggot. He was part of, the, part of the team that made August Underground. Yeah. I was in his movie, Opening the Mind, and I stayed at his place in Pittsburgh for um, a few days, you know, mm-hmm. while we made that movie, and he showed me Reflections of Evil. Yeah. And he's like, you'd love this. And I was moving to L.A., uh in like a week or two that was a shooting that was like um hey i'm moving yeah if you want to make this movie you're talking about with me in it you got to shoot this and so we did and so um so he showed me reflection of evil and it's like two and a half hours long oh i know i remember he had to go to work and he and i was home at his place alone 
So he gave me some movies. These ones are up your alley. And, and it's funny because the first, I don't know, 20 minutes, I was actually kind of bored. And I think almost all of Damon's movies follow this path. It's their <laughs> real stream. I think he's just making them up as they go along. They're real stream of conscious. Like, so the first hour and a, or first like half hour is just like sort of random stuff. And it's inside jokes about movies, even footage from. Mm-hmm. Movies. Oh yeah. Lots of that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, and then it just builds. And I'm like, by the end of reflections of evil, it gets past the dog barking scene. Mm-hmm. If you remember that, um, like this is the most boldly original to be like the, the sort of quote on the box mm-hmm. uh, comment. This is the most boldly original movie of the 2000s or early 2000s or something would be a very honest uh, blur because I've never seen anything like this. And I've seen every piece of shit I could find mm-hmm. every arty movie, every weird movie, every whatever this like this was wild. Yeah. So I moved to LA. I find Damon on MySpace and I write him. And he, uh, he, I think he replied. He didn't, he seemed kind of indifferent. <laughs> so whatever. Uh, I don't even think he was making a movie at the time. And then my friend Caleb Emerson made a movie, Frankie in Blunderland, that I'm in, which you might have seen that. That is a really good one. I have not seen that one yet, but That's I've seen really Die a Zombie Bastard. <laughs> which is awesome. Both of those are unfairly yeah. obscure. And yeah. everything we're talking about is obscure, but yeah. those are probably should be in the next level of mm-hmm. obscure but i'm in uh frankie and blunderland and damon has a cameo in it and no scenes are together we're in different mm-hmm. parts but um damon played a uh store owner and i played like a weird homeless wizardy uh character mm-hmm. and um so damon saw that movie and we met at the premiere and I think we hit it off. He knew I was real as opposed to uh, just what we're talking about. The sincerity is what matters. And so he calls me to be in Fox fur. Yeah. And it is that one that you've seen Fox. Yeah. I, I just, I actually, I, I watched parts of it before and then I watched it uh, again last night. It is, a, is the weirdest thing. <laughs> it's so, it's so great because it's just, if you watch like a Damon Packard movie, it's kind of like you're describing. It's like, you don't really know where it's going to go or what's going to happen. Other, some characters will play the same person. You don't know why people will be like wearing random fat suits. People will be like <laughs> twitching their heads around for no reason and then stopping and speaking in different voices and all kinds of weird, like cosmic shit going on in the background it's it's a combination of so many bizarre elements all together with like a, like you're saying i i get a feeling of like a a stream of consciousness from him yeah definitely there's de- I, I and knowing <laughs> seeing his movies then knowing him there's this bit of parts you thought were funny this is what damon's actually trying to say to the world mm-hmm I think there's a real questioning of reality itself within Damon's work, like the matrix. Oh, yeah. I got that a lot from Fox for, yeah. Not, not so like the matrix explains this, these aliens came down and plugged into our brain. It's very, Damon's from like, well, you don't know what it is, but just if the, the, if there's a message to it, it's question actually if what you see is real. Mm-hmm. that philosophical debate yeah and i think damon really 
is questioning this. I think a lot of people are, everyone does it once or twice. And yeah. I just brain in a jar somewhere, but um, uh, I think Damon is like all the time. And there's all these layers of reality in Fox fur and the whole multi-actress thing. I think, <laughs> I think, I don't know what came first. I don't know who's who. I know who a couple of them are, but I don't know quite who's who. One actress got cast in the um, Hunger Games, mm-hmm. uh, the the real one. Um, had to go. <laughs> had to go. Yeah. To, yeah. Had I remember to go to hearing that. that. Yeah. Yeah, it's the red haired girl. Uh, she got cast in the real Hunger Games, and she's in I think two of them, three of them. Her characters like throughout. So she she did it. Um, and then there's um, one left to be in not the, I think the, either the Peace Corps or AmeriCorps, which is sort of Peace Corps in America. It builds houses. Mm-hmm. And things. So she's an altruist. Did that. Um, and she left on good terms because she came back. Oh, and in case um, we're kind of talking from already seeing this movie, I forget sometimes we're on a podcast where people are sort of Fox for um, every few scenes, the lead actress changes. Yeah. Who, Mm-hmm. playing is what we're describing here one actress had a falling out with damon which isn't surprising he works kind of stream of conscience mm-hmm. like yeah. you get a call two in the morning like hey can you be here by three we are shooting a scene we mm-hmm. need it. uh i'm crazy enough all, all right i uh, fine uh, i'll call off work or whatever but like i could see an actress with aspirations to not be fond of this kind of thing and one story this really cracked me up uh all these are actresses that are in the you know younger ingenue they're all good looking Mm -hmm. all um you know they're they're up for being in movie movies they're all good actresses by my opinion uh and damon or maybe someone maybe it's through one of his friends told me that he didn't audition as much as he kind of interview them and get their schedule and whether they're mm-hmm. up for a project like this. And he met them at like Taco Bell and Del Taco and all these places like that. And yeah, you knew not to have a meet at your house, which is a faux pas. Yeah. But uh, and Damon lived in like one of these weird kind of like, not a shelter, but like sketchy low rent they're not apartments, but they're not not a halfway house either. Yeah. They're some sort of weird situation. Um, so no, they didn't meet there, but and they didn't rent a s- studio or whatever to audition. He met them at like Taco Bells and uh, things, things like That's that. Awesome. That's and awesome. there's something like <laughs> genius about it of like these young hot actresses if they're willing to meet with this guy at a Taco Bell and talk about this weird shit, like brains controlled by aliens and this is like (laughs) a dream and whatever then oh yeah they're troopers they're up for this (laughs) you know and so we shot that scene i play richard hoagland who's a real guy he wrote um all that stuff 2012 2012 Mm -hmm. was one around we shot this 2012 doomsday my calendar stuff yeah yeah and then um that mars had people on it there was some sort of extinction event and they some of them migrated to earth all this that that whole conspiracy that's i don't know if richard hoagland 
invented it, uh, but he put it in a book. You know, uh, it might have been around before him, but he put it in a book. I played uh, Richard Hoagland in that movie, and we shot it on a real L.A. bus. And I'm, I do a full monologue in that movie pretty passionately about life on Mars and naming like mm-hmm. different cities on Mars mm-hmm. and things. And I had to watch a real Richard Hogan clip, which the speech was mm-hmm. actually kind of from and um, kind of tried to do his mannerisms and stuff. And they shot Fox for another day. Mm-hmm. So I was acting to nothing. And it was the, the um, Damon was, was sitting on the seat in the bus where the Fox actress would be and filming me. And she wasn't there at all. And there was a guy where I, my eyeline was. <laughs> yeah. And Damon had a little camera, like mm-hmm. a, a consumer uh, Sony or something. So no one knew he was filming. And this guy just thought I was crazy, ranting about Mars. <laughs> and so there was an authenticity to this yeah. that I don't think could be replicated. And Damon's not letting anyone know. Oh, he just goes, do it again, but louder. And I'm like, okay. And I'm doing pointing at this guy. And it's like, there's a there was a mass extinction event mm. on Mars. And the city of Sedona was mm-hmm. flooded or whatever, whatever. I, it's long, I don't remember my own stuff. but something along those lines. And this guy's eyes are just getting bigger and bigger. And then every time I finish it, and Damon calls a really light cut. I'm sorry, man. Which I think I think made me look even crazier, like yeah. shifting between these personalities. But I made eye contact with this guy, and I don't know how they did it. The reverse, which is shot on a much better mm. camera. If you watch that scene, mine's in consumer mm. and the reverse is in like HD. <laughs> Um, <laughs> which just describes the feel of Damon's movies mm-hmm. overall. Um, she came on that bus with a bow and arrow. Uh, clue, clue, clue? Uh, <laughs> uh, quills, yeah, qu- quiver, a quiver, quiver, that's right, quiver of arrows, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a quiver of arrows. <laughs> <laughs> Walk on the damn bus. Could you do this today? Walk no, on a bus no. in full, like arrows, arrows, <laughs> like, uh, I don't, maybe they didn't have the point on them or something. Maybe they even did, but it's like, this is crazy. She's sitting there and then she sits <laughs> in the shot. She sits at one of the, one of the arrows bumps a guy who was not a pre-planned extra. Like, <laughs> yeah. looks what the fuck? It's like, that was real. This guy really ended up in a Damon Packard movie. He didn't know and got bumped by an arrow by this. <laughs> girl that looked kind of like link from zelda and um so yeah that was insane and all of damon's uh directions were basically um say it louder and like more uh hostile uh, damon's movies are very hostile they're like attacking, yeah. <laughs> they're attacking the audience so that was the dr- hostile and then, you know, the premiere for that, went astoundingly, I found out who Damon's crowd was. They were uh, not the traditional black horror shirt wearing uh, Fangoria mm-hmm. guys. They were a little more um, art school rejects. Yeah. Uh, and that sold out, that premiere. It was at the Egyptian. And they played it with um, uh, Reflections of Evil, if I remember. And um, I knew this had never happened to me before. This is probably 
I'd probably done a good 20, 30 movies at this point. Damon put the pictures up on uh, Facebook. Uh, shot yesterday with John Carius. And there's nothing crazy about him. There's no effects or anything. It's just me on a bus in this kind of orange shirt. Within a couple weeks, I went to a movie at uh, one of those L.A. hipster revival mm -hmm. theaters. I think it was New Beverly or something like that. People were coming up to me. Are you in the new Damon Packard? It's like, oh, this is this is tapped into this. this yeah, they, they know it. There's no trailer. It's just from those still, and they probably mm -hmm. see me from being a regular or whatever. It's like this tapped a nerve. A lot, like you're in the you're not in just a new movie. You're in the new Damon Packard. Yeah, like I think there's something a little like dangerous about it <laughs> yeah. like like that's that's a, what is it like <laughs> you know how yeah. crazy is it and then a few years later i think two years after that i did another one which at the time was called untitled yuppie fear thriller which became fatal impulse that's mm -hmm. what it's going on that's one um, you played dick cheney in yes i played uh, <laughs> yeah. dick cheney in that and um that movie is maybe even weirder. It is bizarre, yeah. And it's I I think it's like two and a half hours long, something like that. And it's Demon's brain uh, on a on a silver platter. <laughs> you want it or not? Um, people are playing real play people. I'm uh, Dick Cheney, and I put on a suit. I had this suit. Um, I don't know if I did this for the movie, but I buzzed my hair as close as I uh, do. Uh, I cut it a little longer. Usually I, I had it short at that time. I, I'm not sure if I did that for the movie though. Um, maybe I did it just in general, but um, we're brainwashing uh, the lead of the movie and who's like sort of pulling the strings of this conspiracy. Mm -hmm. And there's like a serial killer that may or may not have to do with him. Uh, and they're pulling the strings of this conspiracy and Dick Cheney's involved and it's taking place when Dick Cheney's still not vice president yet, but um, head of the CIA, I think mm -hmm. he was. And uh, this uh, Rhonda Shear is who we're brainwashing. <laughs> and we're like waterboarding her and stuff. We say we're going to waterboard. I don't think Damon wanted to actually fake waterboarding this poor girl, but uh, that's, uh, we, um, we were like threatening her and all of that. And, uh, the lead actor who, who this guy, Mike, uh, Hinky Hickey, I believe, uh, was, uh, totally in on the joke. Mike was very involved in this film and sort of spearheaded it a bit was Damon always has a co-pilot. Mm -hmm. There's always a second that's sort of feeding together. And, and Mike was that on this movie. And uh, so, but Victoria Greenberg, who, by the way, I think every actress I ever worked with was named Victoria. It seems like I worked with like nine. Oh nine yeah. Like the, like the, the kill yeah. joy, Victoria Del Mar. Victoria Del Mar, Victoria 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 strange, a uh, <laughs> few others. Um, but Victoria Greenberg was very nice. Very cool. Uh, I remember she came Damon had never met her and one of her, one of her friends came by and like introduced her. It's like, this is uh Victoria Greenberg and she's playing, you'll be playing Rhonda Shear. She didn't know who Rhonda Shear was. She was too young. She didn't grow up 
with Rhonda Shear. And, and so Damon showed her some pictures and stuff. And she sort of was laughing. She's like, that's so 80s, like the hair and all that. Yeah. But she did it. And we improv the scene. And I remember she was like sleep deprived in the in the movie. So all of her lines are winding. I just want to go to sleep. I just want to go to sleep. And me and uh, the lead were just like, you are going to dumb down the nation. You're going to show them only crap. So by the time 2004 rolls around, they'll be so dumb, they'll accept this. They're dumb. You're going to dumb them down. And like, there was no brutality, but there's something really just mm-hmm. nasty about this whole thing. And it was, yeah. and Victoria was a, a trooper, a sport, but it's like the whole time is like, she didn't know what, what this was. Yeah. You know, like, like it, it must've been kind of real. It was weird for guys like us. It's weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It would have been weird for her, but she, she got it. And she liked the eighties thing. I think, I think all people respond. If you get to play another time period, they kind of like it. And, but um, it's like, you are going to host a show and show the stupidest movies and the dumbest people will watch them. And this dumbness will spread. And there's all this jokes about like, everyone's in on the conspiracy. And I know I had a line of like, um, Doc Severinsen just assassinated the the king of Peru or something like that came in on a phone. Mm -hmm. We had one of these big phones, like an old portable phone that I was getting these uh, updates updates from the darker of the dark web or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's like, and covering it, Doc Severinsen is just, uh, has just murdered, uh, you know, whatever and like so that i i i don't know how to wrap that up and i don't think the demons movies don't wrap up either they just just end it's like it's going it's going and then his credits start rolling it's like when he runs out of space on the dvds he's burning to it just just stops (laughs) (laughs) that's great but yeah there yeah you won't forget like i won't forget either of those movies for a long time yeah, there's just something very so different about yourself and those other filmmakers that we mentioned where they'll stick in your head, especially when it's so bizarre, like stream of conscience, so different from what you normally see. And they're like, funny, like they're yeah. really funny, but they're also, <laughs> and there's a satirical element. Like that sounds like a Mad Magazine, what I just described. Yeah. Like, Doc Severance involved and stuff. Mm-hmm. But there, there's an undercurrent of like, like true darkness. Mm-hmm. Like there's there's a dark message to this. Like this is this is dangerous material. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like like well, actually, what when I first described uh, where I first saw Reflections of Evil with uh, Michael Schneider, I was kind of like this. This is what it feels like to go. This is what it feels like to lose your mind. I think <laughs> yeah. reality reality is falling away as this movie progresses. <laughs> you know absolutely yeah i got yeah for sure i got that from that it was funny because uh, this one apartment that i lived in there was a copy of reflections of evil there and i was and i was this is like this before i ever met damon or anything because damon used to hang out with uh Dwayne whitaker when i was staying out with him and we used to he used to be there when we yeah, were hanging yeah. out at like four b or denny's or places like that but um 
so there was this movie called Reflections View, and the people that lived there before were not into like weird indie obscure stuff. And I heard this famous story about Damon, where these were like all over town. He would take these copies of Reflections of Evil, and he'd put them on like celebrities' doorsteps to their like mailboxes. <laughs> I don't know how much of that is accurate, but that's I heard that from several people. That's, that's and very, that may be how we got a copy of it. Yeah, like, that's the very, people that's, lived there. Yeah, Michael Schneider got that. He was in Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. and there's a Tom Savini makeup. Uh, thing in like a makeup. Oh yeah, uh-huh. part of uh, at least now it's part of a college. It, I, I think it was independent at one point. The guy who did effects for his movie was a uh, um the for Michael's movie was a uh, uh, Tom Savini uh, student, mm-hmm. and I guess a box just arrived. Distribute this to students. And it was reflections. <laughs> yeah, that movie was everywhere. <laughs> like forty <Yeah>. copies, <laughs> but it worked. The word of mouth. It didn't mm-hmm. get mainstream, but the word of mouth got out through. Uh, I don't think they were called hipsters yet, but the, these sort of cinema weirdo hipster yeah. types, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, whatever he's doing, it works. It's insane, but that's what's needed. I don't. I don't think there's enough crazy out there. Maybe <laughs> yeah. there's the wrong kind of crazy. Like, uh, don't. Don't go shoot up them all, but um, you know, like yeah, too much crazy in the real world, not enough crazy in movies. <laughs> yeah. That's perfect. Yeah, too much crazy. People are fighting. People, mm-hmm. um, you know, whatever your political beliefs are, whatever. But like, uh, like keep it friendly, I guess. But movies are, are where you should go all out. Like, oh, yeah, make a movie with uh, Dick Cheney wanting to waterboard Ron this year. Why not? Like, if that's your view. Um, and uh, make um, one of the directors, you say Chris Seaver, make make a monkey man movie masturbating with shit with a fake dildo. Make uh, whatever, Lloyd Kaufman puke monsters and stuff. It's like, why not? And it's like, uh, there are audiences for them, but I do find like, I'd say the people I know from more traditional acting paths, that acting board I mentioned earlier and mm-hmm. acting classes, uh, my day job, um, my day job, uh, I, I work at a part-time job in Hollywood. There's actors there. Some of them are up for the crazy stuff and I've helped them be in the crazy stuff and they help <laughs> me, but so, oh no, I'm, I'm keeping myself for pilot season, which doesn't even exist anymore. Yeah. You know, like, it's like, <laughs> yeah. all right, you know, click on you on IMDb every couple of years and it's still the same two credits. And some of them are really nice people, but it's like, I think you got to have like a, 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 a lunacy, a lunacy mm-hmm. to kind of jump into these worlds. Yeah. Uh, let's see who's some of the other ones you mentioned. I, oh, I, um, I want to, yeah. Yeah. Chris Seaver uh, and Lloyd Kaufman I'm interested in. And like, okay, so question about Lloyd Kaufman. When I watched the, I've seen like, and I've met Lloyd in person and he's awesome. He's super nice. Oh yeah. Man. Oh, he's, and, he's really cool. And he's very helpful to indie filmmakers. There's so many great things about it, but I did see on the, um, 
the documentary, I think it was like Citizen Toxie documentary. It looked like it was just complete chaos. So is, is, is the environment like, like he was talking about, like everything's like chaotic and Trent Hague is like, ah, how am I keeping this shit together? What's going on? Everything. Oh, yeah, all of a sudden. And then everybody's like uh, sleeping on the floor and they're being fed uh grilled cheese sandwiches. That was like the famous story about it. But yeah, yeah. the food was a little better on ours. Um, <laughs> a restaurant helped us, uh, but um it's pretty chaos. It's it's Lloyd just, just like a like a tornado. Um, <laughs> yeah, but and it's like huge. It's like like 30, 40 random weird people from all over the country and beyond yeah. <laughs> people yeah. from France and all that. <laughs> just sort of can't. We were in a church. We rented mm-hmm. a church, and uh, we're in the basement of this church. And uh, I lived in that area. Uh, not super close to it. It was like 45 minutes to an hour away, depending on traffic or whatever. But I lived in the suburbs of Buffalo, getting into the farmier part of it. So like um, kind of a drive to get to the real city. So I didn't stay at the church with the, with the weirdo, all the weirdos, but I eventually did. When the turnaround started getting like you had an hour of sleep, the hour yeah. would be my whole drive home. So I was sleeping in the basement too. But it's a delightful chaos. Yeah. It, it's um <laughs> there's definitely a weird feel like you, yeah, this is kind of like a cult, of course, but like it's it's a cult that's temporary. It's like a three weeks or something a month. Um and you jump all the way into this weird world. It's all slime, all rubber, uh, rubber uh, latex stuff, all uh, weird dicks, all weird cum. And it's like eccentrics, trauma fans, film students. And this question mark other, how did they even find the ad? Should, like right. <laughs> weird, weird weirdos all kind of communally living in squalor making yeah. this crazy uh movie that like every day you're shooting something fucked up somebody puking <laughs> somebody uh <laughs> getting their guts ripped out i had my guts ripped out my own ass as my uh bit which i don't think we've said out loud um you all that's what happens when you go to a cursed indian graveyard and uh, any barrel ground and then a zombie yeah. puts a <laughs> ham through the cornhole, then goes up through the mouth, and then rips your intestines. <laughs> they, really, they molded uh, my real ass for with the like did a mold of it, so it's a fake <laughs> ass, but it is <laughs> yeah. my the, sh- the the shape of my real ass. I still have it. Um, <laughs> the the zombie hand punches right through it, <laughs> yeah. guts out, and we shot that scene um, two, over two nights. Yeah, because they had a lot of effects in it. Yeah, yeah, and the big they they built this platform where all the zombies were under the platform, and they put grass, real grass, mm-hmm. I think, on the platform, and the hands would come through, and um, so it was like a whole ordeal. And I know that uh, that uh, we, there was this big trauma fan guy, um, older, probably fifties, I'm guessing. Um, maybe even 60s, owned a house and he said we could shoot in his uh kind of kind of huge backyard, maybe even farmy, like gardeny. Um, 
we we shot that in his yard and i remember finding out midway through the shoot he was really offended (laughs) and uh (laughs) i guess he complained about all the masturbating and all of this all the dicks and everyone was like this guy was a huge trauma fan (laughs) like passionately a trauma fan (laughs) had he actually seen the movies (laughs) Like it's, oh. it's so much of it, and every trauma <laughs> going back to the beginning. That's what what they are. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, exactly. So, it's not like they, not like they've all of a sudden done a one eighty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were always. They maybe got in the nineties. I think they got more extreme, like more <laughs> yeah. more cum or more puke or something. But like they always had that element. And um, so anyway, we shot that till the sun came up, and we ran out of time. And then we shot, did the whole movie, and everyone was, I, I at least was very worried as he's just going to drop that scene, you know, because yeah. Lloyd's very like, <laughs> yeah. AI, like, like, I, I hate that scene now. I'm going to drop that scene. We're not shooting it, you know, all the time. And uh, I worked on that movie as crew. That's why I was there the whole time. And the last day, the first, it's like either the first or second day, and then the last day was mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the rest of that scene, and that time we shot it in the church backyard. We were worried about getting kicked out of that church. Yeah. So anything messed up was shot somewhere else or kept so hidden that yeah. the lady that owned it was a super nice lady. Uh, the lady that owned it was on Lafayette Street in Buffalo. I'm saying that for. Uh, anyone out there who may be a trauma treasure hunter, yeah, yeah, God. yeah. Uh, the old church on there. Um, the uh, so we um shot it in the backyard of the church. I'm pretty convinced it was like the last day, yeah. I think it's like at that point, if we get kicked out, fuck it, we we get kicked out. But so we shot that, um, the gore of it on that last day the guts getting ripped out of the ass and the the actual hand pushing into the ass that that uh platform thing was in the backyard of the church and there is one shot it's a little later in the movie a musical number breaks down into different bits from earlier in the movie sort of singing along that shot uh the sun is already up Mm-hmm. So like that, the the beautiful uh, magic hour. I guess that's the sunset, but that yeah. that feel was going on while we shot that scene. So we cut right as the oh nice. And what's funny, the next uh, day that we were we had about a, a three or four days of cleaning the church to um in the restaurant we shot in. It was uh-huh. a man. It was caked with like filth, like bloody. <laughs> Feathers. This was yeah. a chicken zombie movie. There was a like, yeah. layer. There was a layer of bloody feathers on the floor, just impacted yeah. all these layers into this this crust. Um, that was shot, or that, that we we were cleaning that, and Katrina was hitting. Um, oh damn! Uh, Louisiana. We were up in New York. We didn't get Katrina, but we got the edge of it. So there was this really sleety, haily, cold mm-hmm. storm. And it was somehow like a bittersweet, kind of creepy ending. And we'd met these friends. These friends I still have to this day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I met Tom Devlin on that movie. Oh, nice. Who nice. Um, 
put me, uh, who, who, when I moved to LA was my greatest ally. Oh, nice. He was an effects guy and he put me in all yeah. the asylum movies. He's how I got in the Charlie band movie indirectly. It was Char- oh, John Lachago put me in it, but it was through Tom Devlin knowing him and he owned his effects shop and I would help out. I would sweep the floor and all this and he'd get me bit parts and all the movies he was working on. Oh, that's freaking awesome. Get your head blown up. Whatever. And I think I did 20 something movies with him. Um, at least according to IMDb. And then we did extra work together. We did background together. We both, you know, did central casting gigs together. Like we really were working together a lot and he got me all those asylum uh, films and everything. And then uh, just recently, the film I did in Vegas, uh, Las Vegas Frankenstein, that was directed by Tom Devlin. Yeah. So it's yeah. come like full circle. And I'm a lead, uh, one of the three, four leads. Uh, there's four leads of the movie there. Um, and I'm one of them. So that's like a full arc. Like if they're making a movie for my life, that would maybe be the arc. <laughs> you know, yeah. if, it ends, if it ends now, you know. So, yeah, that um, that was pretty like exciting to do that that tom uh directed and i'd done movies that his wife directed uh and both him and his wife are they have kind of a symbiotic relationship to how they make movies like if tom's directing a movie lola is involved she helped with the script or uh something so some of these ideas are definitely hers but if you work on a lola movie same thing tom's voice is definitely there so they have a symbiotic uh symbiote really like like venom uh relationship yeah yeah. but uh (laughs) but or like star wars um the the uh the the midichlorians (laughs) yeah but um the uh it works um but i think some she makes and some he makes are like you know, focused one way or another, uh, their viewpoint, I think. But yeah, it was great doing a Tom movie after all these years and other people who'd done, I think almost everyone had done, uh, been in his gang at some point, um, at least one. Uh, I know the girl in it was new, uh, but she had done a movie with them maybe right before the pandemic, I think. Yeah. So, that uh you know it was a real good family feel the sort of comeback chip the ice off the pandemic was sort of like wow we're back in business and our friends are all here and everyone was uh great you know so that that worked you know yeah that's awesome so yeah it's awesome that you got to be in a uh one of tom devlin's movies and that he helped you out that's really that's a really cool oh yeah that um I hit LA running. There were lulls. Oh, there was a yeah. three year lull, I think. But like uh, having a built in kind of friend group that was sort of um, a third trauma. Yeah. A third guys I went to college with. And then a third, not trauma, but this B movie scene. Yeah. That I kind of fell into that you, you came from. Yeah. Uh, really kind of helped that I, uh, that like when I read actors thing, it says like one of the hardest, the social uh, part of LA is very difficult for some people. I, mm-hmm. I think it's just so big. And yeah. if you don't have like such a specific interest, you maybe uh, get lost in the fray a bit. And, he, and 
I did not have that trouble. I I had yeah. like friends during those that early uh, year or two, so that helped a lot. And and that is a if if um, I don't know if they're even listening to this if trauma and stuff isn't their thing, but if um, if B horror is not your thing, find a thing. Yeah, golf, uh, uh, romantic comedy uh, thing, uh, writing or whatever. And find a group of people into that. Yeah. Because uh, um, acting specific, like acting classes are great. And you will meet lifelong friends from them. But there is a sense to that everyone's kind of in it. They're in it for themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're either resume building or getting skills to book work or whatever some of them view you as a uh, competition even if you don't fit the same type at all yeah still where these sort of niches of um indie genre films or even sort of hobbies uh crafts you know you yeah. make different uh sewing things or whatever that is where you find your and in la if people into that are also into movies it's just Maybe not all of them, but so like find your thing that's not directly your thing and yeah. and work that into your world, you'll be much happier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I yeah, no, that's great advice. That's great advice. Especially for like, I mean, you gotta find your tribe, uh, your group of people you connect with. Because yeah. I remember when when I first moved to Hollywood, it was like I was an extra and all this stuff, and it just seemed like everybody was miserable on the high budget stuff. And I was like, I guess there's like a parts of misery on uh, indie movies as well, too, because there's so much chaos happening. But there's also more of a sense of community and like a feeling of belonging in, in indie stuff where you connect to people faster. Yeah. And there's less a sense yeah. of elitism, although I'm sure there's some indie <laughs> directors that are. Pretty yeah, that, I think there's less. Yeah, uh, yeah, some people less, let it get yeah. to their heads. Some people let it get to their heads and then they snap out of it. Like yeah. they're back to earth. Um. Like the the Las Vegas Frankenstein is a perfect example. Uh, the 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 main people, uh, Vince Cusimano, Victoria Strange, myself, uh, Steve Henson, Hansen, uh, they were the four main actors, and the camera guy uh, Gary and his wife, uh, and Tom himself and his wife, really uh, became a family, yeah, like an actual family. You know, and the, to the point that it was tough to say goodbye. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. tough. I have not had that happen in a bigger budget film. Uh, <laughs> I've done extra work, and extra work is never going to happen. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they just treat you like cattle. Extra, <laughs> well, they feed you well. But like, yeah, yeah. yeah ex- extra work, it's like, I hope the check shows up. But, like, um, uh, I would say extra work you'll meet one or two people that you you happen to sit with and play cards that end up your sort of mm-hmm. in your game. But for the most part, extra work, something to do in between your, like a day job is probably better mm-hmm. than extra. Uh, but um, I don't regret it. I still do it. I have not burned that bridge. I don't do it as, as much, mm-hmm. but um, I get a text once in a while. I say yes or no from it. I say yes if I have time or I'm hard up for the cash or whatever. Uh, but it's not something to take that seriously. Yeah. But uh, it's fun, you know, <laughs> and you meet people. But yeah, you're right. As far as like that camaraderie and that like 
we went through a war zone together <laughs> yeah. and this kind of uh, weird family bond that I can't think of like real families sometimes don't have that bond, you know, like, yeah, it's true. It, yeah. So there was a, uh, two other questions I wanted to ask you was to, does uh, Chris Seaver do a lot of improv and how hands-on is Charles band with all the stuff that he's doing? Chris Seaver surprisingly does not do that much. I was wondering if that was all written down or if people kind of. Yeah, there's some sprinkles here and (laughs) there of Rob. He's one of the more by the book (laughs) directors I've worked (laughs) with. Um, Chris Seaver, his, when we made Filthy McNasty, which his movies are a little more slick now, but he prides himself in that they're uh, Mm -hmm. DIY. Yeah. Uh, so he's never going to be slick, slick. But um, his, I had just gotten out of film school and I told that adventure that I did in New York and all that. And then I did a Chris Seaver movie. And in film school, you learn all this, you know, the lights and the all this technical stuff. Chris, um, he had the script, he had his camera, and there was like a, a, a chat between like five characters or maybe three or Mm -hmm. four he had the script in one hand okay aim the camera at me say blah 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 make it funny aim it next guy say blah 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 make it (laughs) you're afraid and Mm -hmm. kind of piece it together that way no lighting uh (laughs) just the the, whatever lights Mm -hmm. are around Uh, we were shooting in a school we were shooting at ub university of buffalo and um not with permission. We just we were <laughs> yeah. just there, and um, none of us went there. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, actually, Chris's cousin, who plays Teenape, uh, was a student there, um, but no one else was, and um, which is, I think, highly illegal. And um, <laughs> we we, uh, we we piece it together that way. And I know when you sign on to do a movie, they tell you to done in two hours. You're there all day, probably oh, yeah. two yeah. in the morning. Chris said it was going to be like two or three hours. It was two or three hours. <laughs> That's awesome. And we shot, I think, three scenes, mm-hmm. maybe four. Um, and I remember I hung around after because I was a grip guy and all that. Yeah. Um, do you need any help? No. <laughs> no there was no lights or anything. Uh, okay. And I stayed through lunch. I got lunch for everybody. And then I'm like, you know what? All right. I, I'll see you guys. It was a lot of fun. But yeah, Chris is, Chris is a really great guy and a workhorse. Like he's making yeah. a movie before he finishes the one before. Yeah. And they're just all these weird titles. Uh, I'm in Filthy McNasty 1 and 3. There's like Scrotal Vengeance. There's um, uh, Blood Fart. I think I saw like Return to Blood Fart Lake. Return to Blood Fart Lake. I saw that on TV. Like Revenge of Blood Stool pond or something that's like the sequel <laughs> and there's all just these crazy i can't even think of them and uh, uh anal paprika uh was what i found i was looking um at debbie rashawn online and 
the Halo Paprika trilogy <laughs> one, two, and three was on her IMDb. Yeah, it's like, what the fuck is this a porno? And I click on it, it's a real movie, or not a whatever, yeah. I, whatever it is, micro movie. And I click on it, and it leads me to Chris's website, which at the time was totally a 1999 website, <laughs> yeah. little, those little gifs and, and <laughs> yeah. uh, Neo Geo Cities or something like that. And the address to order the tapes from was yeah. down the street from where I lived. Oh, that's great. So it's like, oh, shit, I'm writing this guy. And he <laughs> ended up, it's funny, I moved out of this apartment complex. He ended up moving into that apartment complex after I left. It was called mm-hmm. Westbrook Commons, which many bad student films have been shot in <laughs> yeah. Westbrook Commons. And many Chris Seaver movies were shot in Westbrook Commons. And no one knows. It's just like a normal mm-hmm. community of apartments and stuff that's in Rochester, New York. But people who know, know. There's there's <laughs> yeah. weird film history in that place. <laughs> yeah, Chris Chris is nuts. Um, but in a good They're all nuts in a good way. Yeah. Um, Chris uh, is a lifelong friend, like all these other guys. Mm-hmm. I've done, I think, maybe four. It's funny, you lose track of all these movies. Yeah. But I also did um uh uh the Death of Lantern the remake. Oh nice. He made a movie called <laughs> Death of Lantern on VHS. <laughs> uh he made a movie, he made movies on VHS in like 2008, 9, mm-hmm. 10. And I was in Death of Lantern the remake, which is a remake of his own movie, and it's also a spoof of remakes. Mm-hmm. And I, because there's a bunch of, there still are, but at the time it was um, a whole lot of remakes. Hills Have Eyes and, um, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, that wave of uh, like remakes of all of those. And um, you have Friday the 13th and Freddy were remain. Uh, but yeah, that uh, <laughs> I was in Death of the Lantern, the remake, and the only instruction, I wasn't a character, it was just show up. And, um, I happened to be in town, I'd already moved to LA. But I was in town and I saw Chris looking for extras. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll come in and do another Chris movie. And I got this hot dog costume because it's like a Halloween <laughs> thing. Yeah. And Chris, that one had some improv in it. Chris will improv when things get fucked up. <laughs> when someone doesn't show up. Or something like that. Or just somebody will throw a zinger out. That, that zinger will be a mm-hmm. movie, like a funny line, mm-hmm. but there's not whole improv. Like I'll say this, you say that I'll say yeah. this, you say that, that there, he, he keeps it like by the script, but the improv moment, I think he was having trouble wrapping up this movie. I, I don't know why he was running out of time. Maybe mm-hmm. uh, that all of a sudden, um, the death of lantern is going to kill these kids, the lead kids and death of lantern is like a Jason or, you know, whatever, Michael Myers and uh wiener Pete suddenly emerges mm-hmm. and fights the death of lantern with the, like, uh, and that's me in the hot dog suit as wiener Pete. <laughs> yeah. <So>. Mythical, <laughs> mythical Conan sword. <laughs> um, so yeah. And Chris is still making movies. I actually did a, documentary about chris interviewed that it's called uh, low budget heroes 
Oh, low budget not heroes, out, cool. Not out for consumer use yet, but is on festivals right now. Uh, I hope I heard it's really good. I haven't seen it. I don't think I'm in it much. One one or two sentences um, through through Zoom, but uh, yeah, it was, seemed really good. Uh, and Chris has a very loyal band of compadres making these movies with them. Oh like yeah, yeah. I, It's like another one of these families, like film mm-hmm. families people have found. I'm, I'm a bit on the peripheral of that film family, but I know yeah. them all. I think I just live too far away, yeah, but, yeah. Um, you know, that, uh, um, the Chris Siever joints are Chris. If you're a fan of Chris, I think everyone could relate to this. I'll watch one Chris Siever movie <laughs> and get a taste for him. Watch like two or three in like one, maybe week long period. Yeah. Then I've had enough for like a year. <laughs> you know, a year, yes. year and a half, right. and then you get this craving again. The right, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. You see a picture go by on Facebook, you got to see some more. <laughs> and what was the other? other oh, uh, yeah, the question about uh, Charlie Band is he like so? Is oh, how yeah. is is there like a chaotic element to his movies as well too? And he and he does like a ton of projects. So how how hands on is he as well? Uh, Charles Band is not as chaotic as Lloyd. <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't think anyone's as chaotic as Lloyd. Maybe, maybe, um, uh, Damon might be. Damon, Damon's a different yeah. brand of chaotic. Mm-hmm. Um, Damon is not a typhoon, like, uh, he's actually somewhat subtle in real life, but his yeah. just calling at four in the morning to shoot is chaotic. <laughs> but, um, uh, Charlie has a vision. All his movies, whether he directed them or not, are that. Bit. He's an auteur. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it's, it's very much like, um, say, Star Wars. Only the first, the first three, only the first ones directed by George Lucas. Yeah, yeah. They he's got all a, he's... feel like George Lucas, you know. Yeah. Uh, so it's like that. They're all puppets and clowns, and <laughs> he's got uh, a, a P. Uh, what would it be like? Uh... A PCU puppet cinematic universe. Yeah, they are calling it the Full Moon Universe now. Although that sort of post Marvel universe mm-hmm. uh, that they adapted that, and mm-hmm. they didn't have much crossover back in the day. Although now they're yeah. bleeding some comics in, and yeah. The, but um, the uh, Puppet Master Universe. I'm in the Killjoy Goes to Hell. That's directed by John Lachado. Yeah, and you are a great Toady uh, character and the Toady lawyer, and that is awesome. Thank Very, you. Very like thank clown you. character. Um, it's awesome. That is a big feather in my cap. I'm yeah. the main villain of a franchise full moon movie. That is a real feather in my cap. And I did this crazy voice in that movie. It's like, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> yeah. you know, um, that character is sort of the character I play in uh, Las Vegas Frankenstein. Oh, nice, nice. It's a homage. It's it's not. It's more human. There's more pathos oh, there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I read the script for Las Vegas Frankenstein. I was trying different voices. Tom kept hinting, make it more like Skidmarks. Skidmarks, the character. <laughs> yeah. Uh, part four. Uh, he's like, make it more like Skidmark. Eventually, I, I, during this rehearsal or something, I'm just like, do you want the Skidmark voice? He's like, yes. <laughs> so it's like, okay. <laughs> 
And the costume, it's human, but it's suspenders and kind of tiny pants. It's like, (laughs) this is Skidmark before he died. Mm -hmm. But the backstory is totally different. He's not a lawyer. He's This is the Igor guy to the (laughs) Frankenstein. So like, okay, this is a weird, it's kind of like Joaquin Phoenix versus the regular universe. It's like, the continuity's off, but it's still the same character. So that's a tidbit. Hopefully that's not a spoiler. Uh, Tom doesn't seem to give a shit about spoilers, so <laughs> I'll just say whatever. It'll, it'll, if he yells at me, whatever. But <laughs> we'll still be friends. I know what spoiler I can't say, and I won't say it. Uh, <laughs> it's specific to uh, don't say that. Um, so anyway, uh, Charles Band's method seems to be uh, like John Lachago, that was clearly his vision. He created all the side yeah. characters. He created Skidmark and he created Punchy and the others, uh, sort of Cenobite-like uh, clown creatures mm-hmm. uh, for three. And the whole lawyer thing, I think, was uh, mm-hmm. John Lachago's mm-hmm. idea. Like, th- that's just a bizarre idea. Do a sequel to a supernatural slasher film as a uh, spoof of courtroom dramas. Right. Very <laughs> weird idea. So um, that was a John Lechago film all the way, but Charlie had his vision strongly imprinted on it in the color scheme. Oh yeah. Yeah. In the uh, nods to other movies, sort of puppets on the shelves. Mm-hmm. And things. He was on set. We shot in that uh, hospital that, some of the Nightmare Elm Streets were shot mm-hmm. in the boiler room. That was hell, oh, yeah. which is really cool. We're that the is Freddy, awesome. Uh, yeah, dungeon. Um, he was on set those days, and you know he's definitely like, oh yeah, make it more cartoony or whatever. But he's not uh, overbearing. Um, it is he lets the directors make their movie. So yeah. like Roger Corman did, he lets them make their movie. Um. And I think some of them, he's just seeing if this ideal work. Mm-hmm. He has sort of like a deal of 13 movies with Redbox or uh, 2B or what have mm-hmm. you. Now he's got his own streaming thing. So those things might be gone. But at the time, he'd get these blocks, make 10 movies mm-hmm. for whatever. And a good chunk of these would always have a puppet master, always have another sequel. Always, there'd always be these franchise things, but there was always a couple oddballs. Yeah. And I think those oddballs are just seeing if this will stick. Yeah. Like they're not, they're all passion projects. They're very commercial, but Charlie is into weird dolls. Yeah. He collects them. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the you've seen the Karen Black, uh, the trilogy of terror, terror yeah, yeah, those are real things, these weird kind of African, weird mm-hmm. other yeah. culture dolls. He collects those, the real, mm-hmm. the real things. So he's into um, this stuff and weird circusy vibe and yeah, um, comic books and stuff. So it's not, it's not a non personal vision, it's just a personal vision that happens to have a commercial element to it. Yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah, uh, it's, it's it's not completely off the deep end, Damon Packard. It's 
There's a commercial, <laughs> yeah. you know, there's a beginning, yeah. middle and end of the movie. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? um, so, yeah, but Charlie's great. He's the, like Charlie and Lloyd are almost a yin and a yang. <laughs> yeah. Lloyd, Lloyd being yeah. very yang. Lloyd <laughs> yells everything. Doesn't make sense. Uh, he's yelling about scenes we shot four days ago. <laughs> where, uh, like we're shooting them now. Um, where uh, more blood is Lloyd's motto, mm-hmm. just screaming more blood. Charlie's very looking behind the monitor, very calm, very like, oh, yeah. that's interesting. I like what you did with that, uh, with your hands in that shot. You know, do, do that more, or something like that. And very, but it's still like mm-hmm. a weird vision that no one else can. <laughs> <Right>. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Yeah. He's created his own super niche out of it. Yeah. So awesome. Yeah. So, well, it was fantastic talking with you, John. You've given all kinds of great info for up-and-coming actors or anybody just involved in like the indie scene or the indie horror scene or just like getting into movies in general and uh you've been very generous with your time thank you so much for that and just let us know where we can find uh let the audience know where they can find your work and anything new that you have coming out that you want to promote well um what i have new las vegas frankenstein Uh, i talked about that in a good a good length but that is um I'm not sure when it's going to come out. And it is, as far as I know, it's um, this YouTube thing, which I don't quite understand, but it's this YouTube uh, movies thing. Uh, I'm not the best guy to ask. If you ever have Tom on as a guest or just check his stuff out, he'll, he'll, you'll, you'll know if you know him. Um, and that should be coming out soon. We were wrapped shooting it. And he said the turnaround was going to be quick. So a few months uh and uh then i did ramsey abeds uh first person savior which we shot over the course of a couple months back in uh april may ish maybe march and uh that's a weird movie too that's uh, mm-hmm. uh that that is um uh in the strange art main yeah on the lead of that, that uh, it's rare that oh, I'm nice. on the lead of that, and uh, which that is most of these films, I have a pretty uh, strong lead role. Las Vegas Frankenstein, one of four leads, I'd say v- Vince Cusimano is the lead lead, but the other it's an ensemble where um, uh, first person savior is a character piece, yeah, it's a taxi driver meets a racer head, but by way of. Uh, very digital video-y, boldly colored kind of nightmare. Yeah. So it's that, it's that glitchy, weird video kind of thing. And I'm that guy, the, the creepy guy it's following. And um, that one it's done. Uh, I went over to Ramsey's place about three weeks ago and we watched it and it's an almost done cut of like all the music's done. He said some sound work still needs to be done, but it's done. And the tone of it, it's funny. It's darkly comedic, but it's also like, there's a melancholy to it. Like mm-hmm. it's a sad uh, kind of a um, departure for some of, actually all of these kind of are because um, uh, the uh, Las Vegas Frankenstein led with its heart. You know, and this one is sort of a sad, uh, troubled, troubled movie. Uh, and there's a personal element to it. I think maybe all the Ramsey's movies, there's a personal element to it. So it shows like 
what's going on in his life goes on in the movie, but mm-hmm. not directly. It's surrealized a little bit. Yeah. And um, I think it has to do with uh, Ramsey spent the pandemic living back home with mm-hmm. his parents. I think it's a, about that. And um, what led him to that. Now he's back making movies. So this is the burst through for him. Yeah. And, uh, and then there's uh, so oh, anyway, that the, those both lead with either the heart or the soul, where I think I before that led with the id mm-hmm. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, you know the, the inner inner pervert yeah. heart what i was leading with now i led now i led with the it or the the heart uh more um and then there's this one bad brain by greg delisso uh who wrote uh um psycho ape have you seen psycho ape psycho ape i think i've seen parts of it on um where was it? Would I catch some of it on Amazon or something? I think yeah, I might it was on Amazon. Amazon. Yeah. Psycho Ape is one of the most fun indie movies I've seen in the last few years of indie uh, being meaning micro budget. And uh, uh, Bad Brain stars um, Kansas Bowling, who seems to be the new queen of really strange hipster movies like <laughs> yeah. not quite horror. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not quite sure. She's super nice. I'm not quite sure what her story is. She does seem yeah. to be like me, genuinely into this stuff. Like she uh, wanted to put references to I don't know what this was. This sort of um, '70s uh, trucker music, like mm-hmm. Convoy, yeah. is one of her interests. And she, the T-shirt uh, was hers. Like she wore this T. One of those bands. So she's definitely an odd ball interest girl, but also normal and, but does a, like a hundred of these. So she's the lead and it's a weird, really weird movie. It's getting into the Damon Packard territory. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's kind of in a, um, I guess, future or alternate world, like a Beetlejuice or Hell's Highway or something where it's like, it's our world, but it's sort of skewed. Yeah where friends and Seinfeld are like the sort of main debate topics and they're taken seriously. Like people debate, you know, abortion. Or mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. And it's not about that. It's actually, I think what John would fit in was like indie romance, I think in this world. And they meet, uh, there's a, there's a, like they meet all sorts of weird fucked up characters. I play three of them. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, nice. one is a uh, sort of a self-help group motivator leader. One's a cop that that is a there's a two cops who say some pretty politically incorrect things. Probably blowing a joke there, but whatever you'll forget. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the third we haven't shot yet is top secret, but it is similar to Damon Packard. I'm playing a real a, a real fictional guy. Nice. Um, and that's a wild movie and I have no idea when that's going to come out, uh, festivals and things. I think before it comes out, comes out and where to find me. I'm on both Facebook and Instagram, uh, Facebook. I add pretty much everybody. That's not obviously a bot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if it's just you and your webcam and like, like, <laughs> you know, gorgeous uh, Playboy picture and no mutual friends, I don't, I don't accept that. But I, uh, everything else I do, uh, all the weird horror dudes that add me, I accept. 
and then Instagram. Oh, it's John Carius on Facebook. And I also have one that's a like page, like an actor page, but I haven't quite gotten the habit of that one yet. I used to try to put something up once a week on that, but I kind of got out in the habit. Then I have Instagram at John Carius, all one word. I actually just resurrected that. I, I made an Instagram like 10 years ago, but uh, it was pretty much just if anyone tagged me, there'd be <laughs> something to tag. Yeah. And just hope no one tagged me in something too fucked up and never looked at me. <laughs> yeah. But now I kind of had to use it. There was someone I had to write a letter to that uh, turned their Facebook off and was only on Instagram. So I had to kind of turn my Instagram on. But and now that I got these movies kind of coming out, it's like, yeah. okay, I kind of start awakening other platforms. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty fun times. I got, uh, these things on the horizon kind of coming out and, uh, like always, I don't know what I'm shooting next, but there's these murmurs, um, people like, Oh, we can use you here, but we don't know for sure if we're shooting yet. That's kind of where I'm at yeah. right now with this stuff. So great. Yeah. This was fun. This was fun. Yeah. Thanks for, you know, yeah. This was a blast. Got all kinds of great conversation. Like I've always had with you before and got all kinds of cool information and stuff that I wanted to know about. I was curious about. Yeah. Uh, so definitely if you haven't seen any of John's movies, so check these out. Fantastic character actor, highly recommended. And he's got tons of movies to check out. Almost you could, you could spend endless hours checking this stuff out. And there's some real, and there's some like really cool hidden gems in his work. Um, so, and uh, once again, John, thank you for being with us. Thanks for listening. And until next time, stick to the roads, stay away from the moors. Yeah.